First Peter four eight nine. As I share this, I'm not going to tell the dream. It's, this is the only dream that I cannot tell without crying, literally, because um, the Lord did a number on me. See, ladies, this is why it's important for you to marry somebody who believes that God is the most important thing in their life. Because if you marry someone that's not, God may give your husband a dream, but he doesn't care about God, so he can care less about you. God will never force a man to do anything. You need to have a man who at least has some sensitivity and respect for the things of God and is chasing after him. I am the way I am, not because I'm perfect. I am the way I am because if I find out any area of my life that does not line up with God's perfect will, I will change it without excuse regardless of how bad it makes me look. Okay? And, and, and the area she's talking about was not something that I was doing on purpose. It was an area that I was blind to. And, and I guess maybe she thought that she didn't want to share it or maybe I wouldn't receive it or maybe I wouldn't see it or maybe I would just say, well, you're just being emotional. So she asked the Lord to speak to me and the Lord gave me such a dream. It's the only dream that I cannot tell without crying. Literally, I will get extremely emotional if I try to tell you the dream because the Lord answered her prayer by creating a scenario concerning her. And the dream was an instruction. Whatever you do, you make sure that you do not leave this woman behind when it comes to the ministry that I entrusted you with. It was him rebuking me. Not that I was doing stuff on purpose, but the way in which he did it. He created a movie for me at night to show me what it looked like if I left her behind. I would have never left her behind on purpose. How many know you can do some stuff, but you didn't do it on purpose? And the Lord was warning me, I need you to pay attention and make sure that the ministry does not come before your wife. But how he did it, I will never forget that, even if half my brain cuts off. And single ladies, this is why it is imperative. It is so imperative that you just take your time and you don't compromise. You seek, I don't want to say seek after, but you accept someone into your life who loves God. And there's fruit in his life that he is a servant of the Lord. Not just somebody who says, yeah, I'm saved, but someone who has fruit. He belongs somewhere. He's serving somewhere. He's giving some tithes somewhere. He's doing something for God because anybody can pretend. And he can go to church because you go to church. And he can pretend like he's speaking tongues and pretend like he prays. But you have to give that thing time so you can see some fruit. And what's dangerous is, usually the person you marry, they don't think about the future. All they think about is the future with you. But they don't think about future problems. And see, it's much, let me say this. It's much more dangerous who a woman marries versus who a man marries. And the reason why I say that is, is that God allows the man to make final decisions on things. But the woman got to follow this man into the abyss. So you want to be, y'all, don't, ladies, don't be just second guessing and, and going into this stuff easy. Because this, who you marry, my wife will tell you that I helped greatly. I'll put it this way. There's a possibility that my wife could be dead if it wasn't for me. What I mean by that is, is that when we ran into certain things, when she ran into certain things physically, she was married to a man of God. My definition of a man of God is not somebody that's got a title in a the, in the church. It's a lot of guys that got churches that are not men of God. A man of God is, is a person, a man who is a Christian who's chasing after God. She was married to a man who not only was chasing God, but was serious about God and wanted to learn how this stuff in the Bible worked. So when she ran into something and she panicked a little bit, the man she was with did not say, well, just go through with the doctor and you might possibly die. The man that she was with knew how to tell her, this is how you change that. And she was healed in a week. And do you hear And when that? you marry an idiot, you don't think about the future. 
Because when you when Godzilla show up, guess what he's going to do? He's going to push you in the way and say, look, here's fresh meat. I got to go. Ladies, it is more important when it comes to men. When you marry somebody, you better ask. And this is what you attract what you are. If you got a low level man in your life, it's because you low level. And you got to let that go. And when you let him go, you're saying, Lord, I'm letting the low level go. And by default, now I got to get the high level. And you got to start working on yourself. Lord, I need you to show me my attitude. I need you to show me how to be a wonderful woman to a wonderful man. And God will wait and let you get yourself together so that he can send you. You might be on level two. <laughs> and God will wait until you get to level seven so that you can marry a level seven. Because the level seven will get you to the end of your road that God has for you. The level two will leave you in the wilderness by yourself and let the bear eat you. So, ladies, you must value yourself enough to wait. Value yourself enough not to settle for what you don't want. If you have told yourself or made your list told the Lord that you want a man of God and some guy shows up and, and he meets some of those things on your list, but he's not a strong man of God, he's not a man of God at all, you think, well, he could be, he could be it. I can get him saved. Watch out. Because you're headed down the wrong path already. You have now just compromised yourself. My standard at that time, after I got saved, I was not going to date someone who did not love God, who did not, who was not born again. Now, I did not make that same criteria when it came to speaking in tongues, but he had to be born again, and he had to show evidence, fruit in his life, that he loved the Lord. And then we went from there. When I met my husband, he, was, he had just gotten filled with the Holy Spirit, and he had great potential. At the time, I guess I was you know, stronger than him spiritually because I had really been in the Word, had been disciplined, I mean, discipled by my dad and all the heavy weights of books and Bible studies and things like that, but I never treated him you know, like he was low-level because I didn't see him that way. He had the right background, the right fit, but there were many others that had come before him. What if I said, okay, well, I'll go ahead and take this one? What if I actually married the guy that I was dating right before he came along. I probably, it's more than likely I wouldn't be married today. So ladies, I need you to value yourselves enough not to settle. And sometimes, ladies, it's not value. Sometimes is that you have convinced yourself that there are so few good men out here, you need to snatch up anything that makes you smile every once in a while. You only need one. Yeah, but, they, but a lot of times they're just afraid because, and that's a trust issue. Okay, let me tell you something, ladies. Let me tell you something. I have a friend of mine, and I might mess the story up a little bit. He went to a particular church, and he knew this girl. But he saw her every weekend at church on a regular basis. Okay? He saw her, was never moved. They were in a class together for quite a long time. He saw her every single day, was never moved. One day, she walked past. And the Lord opened up his eyes, and then he thought she was the finest thing he had ever seen. He had seen her for at least two, three, four, five years. That was a kind of a spread there. Let's back that up. He had at least seen her for like two, three years. Okay, But when he saw her, he didn't see her. Why? Because the Lord didn't want him to see her. Because he wanted him to see her at a particular moment when she was ready to be seen. And if you don't have your trust in God, see, this comes back down to you getting a revelation about how much God loves you. There are, the Bible says there is no respect of persons with God. None. There's not a thing. I'm a pastor of a church. That means, that might mean something to you. That means nothing to God that I'm a pastor of a church. 
Okay, nothing. T.D. Jakes is, I, I like T.D. Jakes. T.D. Jakes is a wonderful man of God. God sees T.D. Jakes the same way as he saw the person that just got saved yesterday. God ain't impressed by T.D. Jakes. Every person in this planet is doing everything that they do because they learned it from somebody else and by God's grace. The Bible says God is not a respecter of persons. It's not a thing that he'll do for one that he won't do for another. Not a thing. But sometimes the ones who get it are individuals who are willing to wait and trust God. And, and if you don't get the revelation that God has your... Every person in here that is a Christian, God has your back the exact same way that he had Jesus back when he was on the planet. If he does not, throw the Bible in the trash because God said, I change not, which means whatever I did for Jesus and however I had his back, I got yours the same way. Otherwise, I changed. So whatever he was willing to do for one, he will do for any. But it's always a requirement of trust. You got to trust. I know the thoughts. You know, this is scripture. I know the thoughts that I have concerning you. He said never of evil, only good to give you an expected end. In other words, you might have to wait for a minute, but I'm trying to set your life up in such a way that when you get to the end of your life on your deathbed, you're like Joseph smiling. I lived a good life and the Lord has blessed me real good. I'm ready to go to the other side now and experience real life. But you've got to wait. And sometimes it might mean that you wait for 30 years. I'm sorry. Jesus, back up. Vroom, vroom, vroom. Three. <laughs> you're trying to wait no 30 years. Okay. And the quickest way you can position yourself for something is working on yourself, working on yourself. Instead of just sitting around waiting for Prince Charming to come rescue you. Prince Charming ain't coming. Prince Charming will be sent when the Lord opens up his eyes when you became Princess Charming. But if you don't believe that God has your back, you have deval- that's how you devalue yourself by saying, Lord, you don't really love me like you love the other girl over there. Lord, you don't love me like that brother over there. You love them more than you love me. That's why they got married before I did. That's why they got the type of man that I did. No, Lorana got the type of man that I had because that's the type of woman she was. And Lorana got that because when Lorana came in, she came out of great darkness. But when she came in, she was serious about God. She did not half step. She matured very quickly. God sent her a man who at the moment was less mature, but then bypassed her. Okay, because you know why? She had to trust God. And sometimes you're going to make mistakes. If you get with the wrong individual, you got to get to a place where you recognize you're with the wrong individual. I almost said something. Okay, but but I'm telling you. Is that God, ladies, you don't, and let me say this, you know, I'm, I am a multicultural man, okay? Uh, when the Lord blessed us with this house, he blessed us with everything we had on paper plus what I had on the inside, okay? So I'm not into what they call race. What I mean by that is I want a neighborhood, I don't want to see everybody that just look like these two. I need to see some white people. I need to see some Asian people. I need to see some Mexican people. Okay, people at the corner. He's black, married to a Chinese girl. A couple across the street from them, where they live in a strange, our, our, outside our house is a park. Okay, a couple at the corner. It's a white couple next to them is a white couple. Uh, it's a house for sale right across the park. There, it was an Indian couple in the driveway looking at. It. I was like, hey, <laughs> we welcome you, sir. Come on, come on in, come on in. Okay, a couple across that black family next to them, white man married to a white lady next to that. It's two white dudes. I haven't figured them out yet. <laughs> Honestly, I haven't figured them out. It just hit me the other day. So I'm watching. <laughs> okay. I say all of that to say, get out of this foolishness that you, if you're black, you got to marry somebody black. Get out of this foolishness if you're white, you got to marry somebody white. 
Get out of this foolishness. If you're Mexican, you got to keep it real by marrying somebody that's Mexican. I don't mean this rudely at all. I can only say this because this is pretend. Because nothing will ever happen to her. But let's pretend for a moment that something did. You might see some number. You might see somebody in here dark skin with short hair. You might see somebody from Sweden with blonde hair and blue eyes. You might see a former member of Al Qaeda. You might see somebody Jewish. You might. I don't care. When you say I'm only going to only marry this skin color, you just limited yourself. What I like about Jonathan and Janice's testimony is the Lord gave her a dream about the nationality of the man she was going to be married before she even met him. But if she's stuck on, well, you know, I just want one of my Nubian brothers. Everybody is your brother. <laughs> and then Jonathan walk up to her and say, hey, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing fine. Move along. She might remain single for the rest of her life. Because God has somebody ordained for you. Look at the planet. Okay. They taking all our men. No, they're not. They ain't taking. The only thing time you can say it's your man is if he walked up to you, asked you for a date and then married you until then. Nobody is your man. And like my wife says, you don't need three million. You need one. I'm just saying, y'all. You got to get all. See, you got to get all of this stupidity that's in the planet. Okay, you got relatives that if you marry somebody that they don't like, they're gonna disown you. So, people are always gonna tell you what they would do if they were in your shoes. And the problem is, if they were in your shoes, they wouldn't do what they're telling you to do. That's what's funny. Everybody's an expert about their own situation. That's what's always amazing me. They're expert about what you should be doing. I have people every once in a while. They're an expert about how I should be running this church. They get all this revelation. They get all this insight. They get all these dreams. They get all of this manifestation about what I should be doing. When I don't then do what they want to do, okay, when I'm going out here, then you follow with them three years later, they ain't doing nothing. Because they had no idea what it take to run the church. What we're doing right here, that's the easy part. This is actually fun. When we go home, that's when the real work begins. We were, some of y'all were here last night, right? Y'all know we got out. What time we get out? Doesn't matter. My wife, let me tell you how this rolls. My wife and I leave here after we talk with everybody. We're one of the ones, last ones to leave besides assurance uh, security and all that. When we get home, we can't sleep. God won't let us go to sleep. She's trying to go to sleep, but can't. That's never happened before. Lord kept us up till three o'clock in the morning last night just to preach what we preached this morning. Then we preach that this morning and then come up with this wonderful idea. Oh, wonderful. In order to be a blessing to the congregation, how about y'all just come back for a, another session before this session? Okay? So I'm saying, y'all, you got to learn how to trust God. God is not a respecter of persons. He does not change. So pick the top person in the Bible, Jesus, and whatever he did for him, he will do the same thing for you. If he doesn't, it means he changed. All right, let's keep this moving. Go ahead, wonderful, yes, before I tear up this whole thing. So we've already covered for the woman, affection, conversation, and now the third one is the third emotional need that helps her to feel secure is honesty and openness. And we've touched on this every which kind of way. I'm going to hit it again. Honesty and openness. Your woman wants you to be honest. She asks you where you're going, tell her where you're going. 
When she asks you about your finances, tell her. If you, if you guys don't have your finances together and she's asking questions, she wants you to be open, not lie. Let's go over to Proverbs chapter 12. An evil man is ensnared by the transgression of his lips, but the righteous will escape from trouble. A man will be satisfied with the good by the fruit of his words, and the deeds of a man's hands will return to him. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. A fool's anger is known at once, but a prudent man conceals dishonor. He who speaks truth tells what is right, but a false witness deceit. There is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips will be established forever, but a lying tongue is only for a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but counselors of peace have joy. No harm befalls the righteous, but the wicked are filled with trouble. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal faithfully or truthfully are his delight. Colossians chapter 3 verses 9 through 10. When your wife asks you, how do you feel about a particular thing? What are you thinking about a particular thing? You can't think in terms of, I don't want to hurt her feelings. You want to think in being truthful. But the Bible says to speak the truth in love. There is a way to say what you need to say. And you need to say it. Because if you lie about this one thing, you'll get into a, unfortunately, get into a habit of lying, which opens the door for you to start hiding things and being secretive. We keep hitting the same point of being transparent and being open. You have to be open and be transparent. So you can't start this habit of lying, even if it means for a moment you hurt someone's feelings. Colossians 3, 9 through 10. Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. The Bible says that we are created in God's likeness and his image. Our father is a man who cannot lie. We should be women and men of God, people who cannot lie, who refuse to lie. We have one daughter. I mean, she would do some mischievous things. But if I called her and asked, did you do this? Yes. I mean, she wouldn't have to think, uh, or, uh, uh. She wouldn't hesitate. And she, I mean, she would not hesitate. She wouldn't pause. Yes, I did it. Now, yes, she understood there was a punishment or a consequence coming along, but she wouldn't lie. And every time she got in trouble, she told the truth. And I'm like, you know what? That was, even though I didn't want to spank her, I had to spank her for what she had done, but she would be honest about what she had done. Unlike one of the other ones, you ask him a question, uh, did you do this? You know, you know he, this is what he does. You do this? That's cold for, let me see if I can pull something out the stratosphere. To, yeah, it's amazing how to do that. Can I share this one thing? You still want honesty and openness? Mm-hmm. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So, so, so there have been some things over 23 years, you know, of being together in 20 years that have hurt my feelings, that my husband has shared. There have been some things. And there are going to be some more things, I'm sure. But I could appreciate the fact that he wouldn't lie. And I would tell myself sometimes, man, I really wish he had lied. But in my heart, in my heart, I'm glad he told the truth. It hurt, it stung, and I had to deal with the pain of it. But I could appreciate a man who would tell me the truth. Men, you help us feel secure and safe in our relationship with you when you tell us the truth. And you know what? There's a wonderful book by Andrew Murray called Humility. And I never will forget what he said in that book. 
it really helped me because sometimes you're embarrassed or you get hurt, not because the information was too strong, but because your pride was too big. And he said something I thought was so good. He said, a humble man can never be embarrassed. Andrew Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y. It's called a book called Humility. And he said, a humble man can never be embarrassed. Somebody tells you something, you're embarrassed. It's only because um, that you are in pride. A couple of weeks ago, I had to share something with my husband. I didn't just go right in like, you know what? I got something to tell you. And I had to tell him it was very serious. I said, babe, you're a wonderful man of God. I mean, I was buttering him up. I yeah, mean, just I really just coming. stroking him and helping him because I didn't want him to feel that I felt that he was just not a good man. This doesn't speak to your manhood. You're awesome. So I'm going to tell you these things first. But there's one thing that's really, really important you to pay attention to because it's making me physically sick. You have to get on top of this. It was not an easy thing to have to share because I do think he's awesome. I do think he's wonderful. I think he's doing an amazing job here as a pastor, as a husband, as a father, but he's not perfect. And there's just some things as a wife that I have a responsibility to share, even if it means it's uncomfortable for me. And so I had to do that thing and he had to, to deal with his emotions behind it, but it was shared and he had a great deliverance as a result of him receiving what I had to say. Yeah, I listened to it. I just listened to it. I mean, you have to get to a point where the things... See, y'all, let me... I'm at this point now where I think this way. The, the things that are not good about me, I don't feel bad about because it's not me. If it was me, I couldn't change it. So, so you're getting upset when somebody says, you need to change this. You know, I mean, there are some people who get offended if you tell them that their breath stinks. You know, well... Your breath stinking is not you. You can change that. It's called a breath mint or some gum. You know what I'm saying? I mean, people get fickle and just over any little thing, never realizing, you know, you know, I only told, shared this with you because it's not you. It's something that you need to get rid of. Remember what I said this morning? Every person in here has a what? Six-pack. Stomach. Every person has a six-pack. The only reason why we can't see it is because... There is too much fat around the midsection that does not allow us to see the real you. Get rid of the fat around the midsection and the real you will begin to appear. Same thing spiritually and emotionally. Okay? So, so you have to be honest and open. We had a lady that stayed with us years ago. This is all my fault, 100%. I was in the pastoral mode and this girl was moving here. And so I sent her to my sister's house first. You know, because she's single. And get this young lady. We're really trying to help her out. This is the spirit. I don't say that anymore. So, so I sent her over to my sister's house, and within four days, and my sister is very, very open. I mean, she just adopted three girls and wants to adopt more. But uh, she called me. I knew I was in trouble when she called me in like three, four days. And this is what she said, come get this chick before I kill her. So that was strike one. Strike two was when I convinced my wife to let her move in with us. No, actually, what happened is that she lived there for a month. So my sister-in-law was extremely it was patient. It was a month. Oh, wow. Oh. It was, she was extremely patient. I mean, so she, it just took a long time. And she finally she said, you know what? I don't know exactly what needs to happen, but she's just not going to be able to stay here anymore. And so I just told my husband, you know what? I don't want her to live here, but because we brought her here, and it wasn't we, it was him. 
But I agreed to it, so I had to say we. We brought her here. It's our responsibility to then move her out of there and let her come stay with us. my own story, please. She's sitting up well, there you telling it right. Yes, I was. I was telling it right. You telling it right. I was telling it right. She, she must, that must have been what she said to you. That ain't what she told me, okay? The point that I'm making is... The point I'm making is... is this. I said, babe, we got to let the woman come live here. Who said what? I said, we need to let the woman come live here. She has nowhere else to go. And you, we brought her here. She, she didn't let me finish. See, so this is my fault. What, what's the first thing I said, man? Didn't I say it was my fault? I'm trying to own up to it. The point that I was making with this is that now we end up having to kick the girl out of the house. I mean, when uh, she, because she ended up just like going in a room and then staying there, living there. She's, she was buying her own food and just going up there, not take the trash is in there and everything. This has become a bad situation. And I knew it was over when my wife ran upstairs. <laughs> and my wife said, my wife knocked at the door. Who is it? <laughs> open the door. I'm in fasting and prayer right now. I don't care what you, open the door. I was like, oh, Lord, here it comes right here. The gangsterism is about to come out right now. About to come out right now. The point that I'm making with this is that she went and walked in the neighborhood and my oldest daughter went with her. Just to go on a walk. My oldest daughter end up sharing with this young lady that she wished that her or I, whatever, us, that we would spend more time with the kids. So the girl came back to the house and said, this is what your daughter shared with me. Typical parent would be offended. Go off on the daughter while you're sharing all our business out on the street, go through all this list of things when the truth is we weren't spending enough time with her. So what we did was we said, thank you very much. We then canceled whatever we had to do for the next few days, and we hung out with the kids. And it blew their mind because they didn't think it was going to turn around that fast. We weren't doing that on purpose. We were neglectful. But we had to be honest and open about the truth, not who brought it. And sometimes you don't like who brings the truth. And sometimes the reason why you don't like who brings the truth is because God tried to send it around someone else that you didn't like. You didn't want to hear from them either. Let me just say one thing about this woman. She was a single mother, and her children were with her. They were both with their fathers, and she was in a very difficult predicament. So I could have been prideful and said, well, you don't even have your kids. Who are you to tell me about my... But no, I just listened to her, and I told my husband what was shared, and we made the adjustments. And so you can't look at your spouse and say, you don't have your stuff together. Who are you to tell me about my situation? He's your spouse. She's your spouse. That's the closest person to you to see where the fault lies, even though they're not perfect. All right. We're going to finish these up. Oh, you know what? I'm going to address this now. Whew. How do you move forward after adultery infidelity? I have to say that because that happens more often than not. How do you move forward after adultery infidelity? The spouse that was cheated on has forgiven, but the heartbreak is still there. How can we truly move, move forward? Uh, you just got to rebuild the trust. Let me say this. Remember I told you the devil is not fair, life is not fair, God is not fair, and forgiveness is not fair. And when you have been hurt, you have to recognize you have been hurt, but you also have to grow up and recognize i got to get over this and move forward. Because you know why? Whatever you do to God, you know what he said? I forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, and I remember it no more. Okay, now that's easy for him to say because he's God. Okay, you know what I'm saying? But when you're done wrong, the person that was cheated on, you have to take the responsibility of, okay, um, I was done wrong. I have to forgive um, the same way that God has forgiven me. Um, and then we have to move forward. And you have to handle your emotions with that. You've got to handle your emotions because if you're not careful, you can fall into a deep hole and never recover. And the enemy will just take advantage of the fact that you just simply don't want to forgive. Okay. Um, some people. 
Yeah, no, hold on, hold on just a second. Um, um, so you take advantage of the fact. Girl, stop interrupting me. I don't forgot my point now. Jesus. See, we, we learn a lesson it's right the here. the same man who Real says, lesson. babe, just interrupt me anytime you, you get no, ready. No, it's not. No, it's not. You got to let me finish the story first. I forgot what I was saying. Oh, okay. I got it. Um, um, because if you're not careful, what you let go of and what you have forgiven can begin. The enemy is working to seep it back into your heart. Okay, and you start feeling about it, you start dwelling on it, you got to do certain scriptures, you got to pray, you got to ask God to give you. Now, the individual who did the cheating has the responsibility of realizing that responsibility of realizing that it did not happen to you, it happened to them. So you have no idea how this feels. Because whenever you, done, whenever you do that to an individual, yeah, God's grace is forgiven, you can go on and have a wonderful marriage and everything. But unfortunately, when that help it, uh, when you do that, you open up a portal that the enemy will always remind them of from time to time. When you do this to an individual, you opened up a door that they will have to deal with for the rest of their life. It'll never even cross your mind. It might cross their mind every single day. And if there are triggers. You can be watching a movie on adultery, and it triggers. You can hear somebody else that got cheated on, and it triggers. There are all different type of triggers, 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 and you won't even be thinking about it because it did not happen to you. So you have to take the responsibility of being patient and patient and building the trust, being responsible what they need to do. But you got to be very, very careful because the person that's cheated on has to be careful not being, um, um, what's the word, uh, trying to make this person become a prisoner because you want them to pay for what they did to you. Uh, forgiveness is not fair. Um, and it's unfortunate that it happens. It does happen, you know, um, but I know relationships where that never happened and it's just this toe up. And I know relationships where that's happened to a couple. And I know a couple that it happened to them three, four times and they have a wonderful relationship now. Um, and so uh, so you got to be careful with those different type of things. But moving forward, you do have to give it time. But you the person that this this was done to, you should be getting better every single day. Every single day, every single day, every single day. Now, we don't like this, but you know what? You got to forgive. You got to move forward. And we don't like that. Sometimes we want a person to pay. Sometimes we just like to sulk and wallow in the mud. And all you're doing is delaying time and making things worse. Okay? Um, It just makes it worse. You know, you have to be able to let these things go. But as a reminder again, the person that did the cheating, you must recognize you will never feel what they may have to deal with every other day. You'll never feel it because it didn't happen to you. And so sometimes you think, well, ain't they just over this? Stop. You didn't, it didn't happen to you. It happened to them. Okay, so you got to be very, very careful. That we have to be patient. And the biggest thing is wounds do heal with time as long as you don't keep doing the same thing to produce the same wound again. Okay, it heals over time. But if you keep doing the same stupid stuff, you just keep pulling it open, pulling it open, pulling it open, pulling it open. And it's so easy for you to do that because it's not happening to you. Okay, when you do stuff to other people, it never affects you because it came out of you and hit them. Comes out of you and hit them. So you'll keep on doing it. That's why you keep on doing it. But if you could ever feel yourself what you did to another, you'd stop immediately. But the reason why we keep doing stuff is because you're not doing it to yourself. Yeah, you are. But you don't feel the force of it. You don't have to deal with the anger and the pain and the depression and the sadness trying to do the right thing. But the devil is fighting you, using your spouse, doing the same old stupid thing over and over and over and over and over again. You don't know how to deal with that. And so you just keep doing it because it didn't happen to you. There needs to be. I wish God could do this. I wish there could be. You know, you see these movies where guys end up by accident switching bodies. Okay, they end up switching bodies. Um, what'd you say? Trading places. 
Yeah, that's kind of like that. Yeah, trading places. He got a taste of, both of them got a taste. And so it's interesting how they were friends at the end because they recognized certain things. It would be really nice if, if, if God could make me be her for a week and, and switch that so we could know how each other, how we feel. And, and if you could ever feel what your spouse feels, you stop doing a whole bunch of stuff. I would like to, to say, say two things. Um, there were some people that were not here last night and some who may not have been here this morning and did not hear the rules of when things are being addressed that your spouse may or may not be, may be doing to not have any loud outbursts because it could cause um, just embarrassment for your spouse. So if, you're, if your spouse is doing something that's being, ad- that's being addressed, please don't blurt out. Um, just keep those things to yourself that you all can discuss it in private. That's honoring each other and being respectful. The second thing is that heartbreak is real. And yes, you can forgive a person, and that heartbreak is still there. When there is infidelity, that is probably the most heinous thing, one of the most heinous things that can happen in a marriage. And a person still suffers from the heartbreak they have forgiven. They are trying to move on. But if the spouse is not the one who's done, the cheater, if the, she, he or she, if she's not sensitive to the individual that has, been, that has forgiven them, they'll go on with life and we'll think everything is good. I've been forgiven. We can move on. Let's just go on with life. Everything is great. When that person st- daily has to deal with the pain of what has happened. So the person that has done the cheating has a responsibility not to be callous. Like, you should be over this by now. We're still dealing with this two years later. Why are we still dealing with this? That's not right because it was not done to you. So you don't know the level of that person's pain. Now, the person does, ha- does have the responsibility to seek the Lord to, to, to receive that healing. And you have to be aggressive about the word and getting your healing and being made whole because it is heartbreaking. So there's two sides to this. The, the cheating spouse has to be sensitive and cannot afford to get callous because every time you're callous or you make a rumor, aren't you over this? Isn't this over already? Why are we still dealing with this? You just continue to inflict the pain that was caused the first day that this information was revealed. Either you told it or she found out or he found out. But if you have a callous attitude toward it, like this is no big deal, I'm over it. What didn't happen to you? So you both have a responsibility. If you're going to choose to be together, you both have a responsibility in the forward movement of your marriage. And because and, there is balance because you got to be careful because you can use this against a husband or a wife. Because if, if, it's, if two years have gone by and this has not happened again, and your husband is being or wife is being uh, honorable and they're being respectful and they're being uh, transparent and stuff like that. Um, then this is, you shouldn't be in the same emotional state that you were two years ago. This is saying that you haven't grown. And I, that's, not, I, that's not fair. We ain't talking about fair. We're talking about what's right. If you worried about fair, go join an amusement park or something. I mean, this, this, this is not fair. These things work on principles. And with principles, you don't get a chance to do what you feel all the time. You have to do what is right in order to produce that feeling in the future of happiness. Okay, let me address this one right quick. If a female is loud spoken and has been that way all her life, does this mean that she is not pleasing to God because of 1 Peter 3, 4 about a gentle and quiet spirit? I start to address that. Someone told my husband that his wife was loud. Okay, first of all, let me say something. Y'all be, be careful what you say about somebody else's spouse. Because there are times you will say something about somebody else's spouse and that person heard it for the first time. 
it's possible, you know, it's possible that you say this to a person, and that's the first time they ever thought about the fact that their wife was loud. First time, because you brought it up. Y'all, just pray about stuff. Leave other folk foolishness alone. Leave their relationship. Stick to your own grass. Water your own grass. I don't care nothing about my neighbor's grass. It takes too much energy to keep my own grass green. I don't care nothing about what you do with your grass. Now, I might talk about you if your grass is raggedy, but I ain't trying to be over there trying to tell you. I didn't mean that that way, but there was some truth to that. But I'm worried about my own grass. Okay? Now, let me say something. Let me answer the question. No, just because you are loud doesn't mean you have a, don't have a gentle and quiet spirit. It's that spirit, not volume of your voice. I'm loud. There's probably not a day that goes by that my wife will, my, I'll be on the phone, particularly on the early morning prayer early morning prayer call when y'all done pulled me into the deep I can't tell you how many times it's in the early morning and my wife will send me a text I need you to lower your voice my voice is just naturally loud I've learned that when I walk into a place to almost whisper because my my voice and then because of what I walk in there's an authority on my voice because anointing so I can I can go into a room and the whole room turns around just when I speak Okay, so I have to lower my voice. She is constantly telling me, dude, you got to lower that. We were on a conference call. She texts me twice. You got to lower that down. My, my sister tells me, ah, ah, ah. that's what she does. Bring that all down. But I am a very gentle man. I just have a loud voice. See the difference? And he's not a brash man. No. He's just, he's just loud. I'm just, and I'm not. At times. Never mind. Just some going. This is not working the way it's seven dollars. Yeah, let me let me erase this so I don't answer. There's some y'all, some stuff y'all are sending me that I just can't answer right now. This is one-on-one stuff. Once things are revealed, how do you hold each other accountable without it becoming an argument? That sounds like a fairy tale. Y'all, let me tell you something. Now, I don't know who, but I can guarantee you during this conference, some married couples have had some heated debates or some arguments. You don't get a chance to move forward sometimes without being argument free. It just happens sometimes. It just does. You're going to hold yourself accountable. You will argue less to the degree that you are humble. You will argue less to the degree that you have the mentality of a servant and not a master. Servants never carry about or even bring up what they're not getting. Masters do. And like I said in the beginning of this. What makes a wonderful marriage is two servants, not two masters. And that's part of the problem is, is that, y'all, guess what? This takes energy. This takes bliss, discipline. This takes you getting up thinking about, I got to exert physical energy in order to make her happy. That means, you know, you know that mean, when you, when you see, that means, you know what, y'all? Let me tell you something. I would love to go home, quit this job, sit around, eat pizza and barbecue and wings all day long, play Xbox and just watch a movie after movie and just just get 600 pounds overweight and just sit there and you can't do that. You can do that when you're single. You can't do that when you're married. When you're married, you have become a servant and servants work hard in order to please their masters. And that's the, and be totally honest with you, y'all, we could have had all of y'all come what is today? Saturday? Mm-hmm. We could have had all y'all come last night at the first session, and I just simply said, 
What makes a good marriage is two servants. What makes a terrible marriage is two masters. You find out what she wants you to do, do it. Stop making excuses. You find out what she wants you to do, do it. Stop making excuses. Services is missed. Make sure you leave a $100 offering in your hour. System psychologists do. All our stuff is free. Okay? All our stuff is free. So, so, but it really is that simple. It's just that we got all of this emotional baggage and garbage. We got all of these excuses as to why we just can't be our spouse's servant. We just can't do it. And because we just don't want to do it, we have all of these excuses, all of these excuses. Well, he did this. The scripture didn't say nothing about what he did. It said you be right because that's the right thing to do. Well, she won't do this. Scripture didn't say nothing about you changing your character because of what she did. We always change our character because of other people do. And all you're doing is saying that you're weak. Because strong people don't change. I know some of y'all are not going to like this. I know some of I really don't care. I'm not saying to vote for this man. Let me tell you what I like about Donald Trump. They can put 50 cameras, 50 microphones in that man's face, and he's not going to change. He's not going to let you change him. If that man says we need to keep all the Muslims off the country, when, you, when CNN pulls him live, he's going to say, yeah, that's exactly what I said. And I'm not changing my mind. And Donald Trump has not changed his mind yet. Whether you disagree with him or not, I appreciate people who simply won't, whether they're wrong or right, who won't let other people move them off their rocker. You're not going to put me in a position and put this pressure on me to get me to change to tell you what you want to hear. That's what I like about that man. I'm not saying he qualified to be president or not. I'm just saying I appreciate people like that. I know you're going to kill me for this one too. That's why I liked President Bush. President Bush didn't flip-flop. I'm not saying he was right or wrong. It's just that when you don't flip-flop, I at least know where you're coming from. Quit letting people change your character. If I am mad at my wife, I don't then in order to punish her, make her go get her own gas, make her own get. Even if I'm mad at my wife, I will still open the car door because I'm just mad at my wife. She's not a demon. I know some of y'all think that you might be married to one, but you know what I'm saying? I'm just mad at my wife. I might be infuriated at my wife, but I'm not about to change my character because God says I change not since I'm his son. That means I don't change. But you keep changing and flowing with the wind, tossed about with every wind and every doctrine and every affection and every feeling. And the devil just treating you like a little pup, keeping your stuff toe down to the ground because you won't just be rock solid and do something that we say in our household. Do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Don't do the right thing based on what other people do. If you do the right thing based on what other people do, you will never do the right thing. You'll never do it. That's the problem is nobody wants to do the right thing. We just it's, it's a selfish spirit on this generation. We think we are entitled to stuff that we're not even educated for. Give me a raise, but it's my first day on the job. Give me a company vehicle, but I don't have a license. It's an entitlement generation. I'm just entitled because I showed up. Ain't paid no price. Ain't paid no dues for nothing. Can't give. People want so much, but won't give nothing. That's why. Look, you got time if you're single. If you're single and you can't do this, if you ain't trying to be a servant, I'm delivered. Slavery is free. Slavery is over. Wonderful then. Stay single. I'm just letting you know. My wife told me not to use the word slave. Okay. When you get married, you about to be a slave. 
I feel like one every day. I got seven masters in my house. What does that mean? Hey, y'all can't be sending me abbreviations and... It's like a code for a jet pilot. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What do we want to finish up with? Can we want to talk? Right here. These two. Wait a minute. Hold on, y'all. Let's get ourselves together. Y'all don't pull me. All right. I'm going to just read these. I'm going to just read these. The devil wants you to focus on the worst qualities of your spouse. God wants you to focus on the best qualities of your spouse. When you are communicating with your man, you must encrypt all your language through the a language of honor and respect. You cannot talk to a man when you are communicating dishonor to him. The way you say things to a man is just as important as what you are saying. When you talk to a man in a disrespectful tone, his ears shut down. Women are much more tough emotionally. We kind of talked about these things. Okay, um, The tone of your voice can devastate your man and you will not even know it because he'll just internalize it. Everything you say to a man should be telling him you are a good man. You've got what it takes to be great, even if you're acting like a big old dummy. Okay? When it comes to domestic responsibility, you ever notice, I, I, I just wrote these down so I can keep on point here. Because um, we want to know. You ever notice that no one ever complains about a clean or orderly house? Why? You were created to be clean, orderly, beautiful, and you were created to respond positively, positively to things that are clean, orderly, and beautiful. When you walk in a grocery store that is nasty, you won't even shop there. Why? You were not created to respond to nastiness. You were created to respond to cleanliness. People avoid stores. I'm like this. People avoid stores that make it difficult to find product. Why? You were created to respond to order, not disorder. Everything was created by God to be pleasing to the eye, and he created you to respond to things pleasing to the eye. Okay. When it comes to domestic responsibility, there are some men that this is a need for them. This is the reason why I just use us pretend she works 40 hours. I work 40 hours when we get up. She gives the kids their breakfast, get them dressed. She takes them to school. I may pick them up. But when she works 40 hours and we both come home, she's going to cook. She's going to clean. She's going to do the homework, give them their baths, etc. She got to do all this type of stuff, go to the gym while I'm sitting up watching TV. And the woman will say, doesn't he see I need help? Nope, because you didn't tell him. Because some men unconsciously had this need that they want their wives to be able to take care of the home. Paul said in scripture, he said, I would prefer for a woman to be keeper, to be the keeper of the home. He wasn't saying that because she's low level. He was saying that a lot of men, that's what they need. They need their wives to be able to do the cooking and the cleaning and stuff like that. Okay. Okay. So, so one of two things have to happen. If you want her to do this, then you got to put yourself in a position where she can stay at home and do this. You got to work. If not, then y'all got to share the responsibility. Like I said yesterday. The whole thing is the responsibility of the man. There is no such thing as men and women duties. Men supposed to know how to cook, how to clean. I know this gentleman here right now. He's the one. His wife never does the clothes. He's the one that does the clothes because it's his responsibility in the first place. She just helps him with all the responsibilities. So you, she may do the cooking in my house. What do I do? I don't know what I do. <laughs> I could be doing anything at any moment because with. She's going to talk about you grill. I just, I I just learned how two days, I learned how two days ago, so now I'm going to take that over yeah, to you. I'm glad I didn't burn down my new house because she told me, I learned how to grill today, you know. 
you know, we did pretty good. I'll say, oh, okay. I'll do it with a lot of fluid. See, I can't trust her with stuff like that. She, we got there with a lot of fluid, and, you know, we, never mind. We, that's another story. The chicken was good. Yeah, the chicken was good, though. It was good. It was, it was good. She's just trying to pull me into something. Stop. What am I talking about? About working 40 hours a week and bringing the wife home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you got to share the responsibilities. When you come to my house, you will see my sons sweeping every day, doing the dishes every day putting clothes in the washer, in the dryer, every day, taking out the trash. My sons will not have a concept when they get married of this is stuff that a woman does. My daughters-in-laws are going to love me. They're going to love me. Because the sons will know what to do. Yeah, I know. Sorry, I was about to say something. What? Nothing. It was a joke, but it might not have been funny because the one I told yesterday was a big dud, so <laughs> it was a dud and a half. Okay, so when it comes to this, you know, it's really simple. That is, it's shared responsibility. Like, I very rarely have ever dust. She's usually the duster. I sometimes, you know, see, I, we're not using this in a, in a bad sense, but see, we got six slaves in our house now. Servants. She said servants, same thing. Servants, slaves, employees that don't get paid, whatever. <laughs> So, so we, we feel like two masters now because we got them vacuuming and, and cleaning and dusting and taking the trash out and mopping. So, but before all of this, we did this. It was not a thing. See, I'll go into the washroom and I'll see a bunch of clothes. So I won't say, send my wife a tuck. Hey, you need to do the clothes today. What I will do is, it only takes a couple of minutes. You know, the stuff that we won't do, it only takes a couple of minutes. What I'll do is, as I actually separate the colors, and I'll throw a load in. Why? Because it needed to be done. There have been plenty of times that my wife tore up the kitchen. She had to run out someplace, and I will either clean it up or I'll make sure that my boys or the kids clean it up. See, it's, and you know what the sad part is? These things that we are unwilling to do only take a moment. It only takes a moment, okay? The man told, I, you know, I didn't know what was going on. I still don't know what's going on because all of a sudden all of my daughters start wearing them bonnet things on their head. Just taking care of their hair. They're wearing their silk bonnets. No, we're just talking about the principle of it. That's all. So I thought they would get into the habit of just, you know, he got these girls that they just wear a bonnet all day long. They go to the grocery store. They go to work. You know, they they sleep with this thing on. They just never take it off. So when I saw this after a couple of days, I said, Oh no, 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 nope, nope. We're not about to start that. You're not about to drive your husband's crazy wearing that thing on your head all day long. I think I'm getting tired. So I forgot what I was going to say. Okay. So, we even push it out. Okay, so when it comes to all of that, okay, share the responsibilities. Okay, it's not rocket science with that, so I don't need to spend any more time on it. Last one, and then she might have one more, which is recreational, com- recreational compatibility. Men want their wives to be their best friends, which means you need to come out of your world and come into his. It might mean that that very Xbox that gets on your nerve, you might have to play it with him every once in a while. That's how I got hooked on it for a minute years ago, playing with the kids. I, I never played video games, ever, until my kids convinced me to play Xbox. Next thing you know, I'm up at 3 o'clock in the morning on Xbox Live. <laughs> Probably was battling some of the men in here and didn't know your code name. My code name was Prayer Man 1.
uh, be in a room fighting against a guy who was Mr. 666 Satan. So I took great pleasure in smashing this dude. There's a lot against darkness. Okay. What I'm saying is, is that you have to learn how to do something with your spouse that is fun for them. There's a lady that she saved her message, saved her marriage by going hunting with her husband. She learned how to go out there. He said he was a little nervous because he thought she was going out there. to. Because <laughs> you can get away with it. 911, I went hunting for my, with my husband for the first time and I accidentally shot him dead. Oh, Lord Jesus. Click. So he's nervous about that. But when she did what was fun with him, it opened up the door and as a result of that, he began to share certain things and open up to his wife. Y'all, let me say something, ladies. Ladies, men really do want to spend time with you. Sometimes they do stuff stupid and they say stuff stupid and sometimes it seems like they don't care. But men generally want to spend time with their wives. But if you're looking crazy and you acting crazy and you are not any fun and you're a complainer and, and, you know, like with me, you know, when we go to a restaurant, if they mess up the order, we still give them a nice tip, you know? But I got, I was sitting at the restaurant and now because the, 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 the meal is messed up, she got an attitude and want to act a fool in the restaurant and all that type of stuff. There's a couple right now, we refuse to go out with them. Period. Period. The wife is wonderful. Wonderful. But this is not an exaggeration. If we go out with them and on the menu it says chicken nuggets, for example, at a restaurant. And he called the waiter and said, excuse me. Um, with this, you know, you ask the question, how many nuggets come with this particular meal? And they say six. Let them bring five. <laughs> one time he acted such a fool, they had to call the police on the man. Not, not one time. Not, not Several one times. Time. He just, I, I, I don't have time for that. Wow. This is some nuggets, man. Go down to Chick-fil-A if they don't serve the nuggets. nuggets. But he acted such a fool in the restaurant that they, they had to call the police on this man because he's making a fool because oh, the meal was off a little bit. See, and that's how you spoil opportunities with your spouse. Instead of just rolling with what came, just let things go. No, you got to act a fool. Let me speak to the manager. I want a free meal next time. And your spouse says, hey, just calm all that down. We ain't got to do all that type of stuff. To let you know, let's just have a good time. No, it's the principle. No, it's not. It's your crazy. You ain't going to trip me up. I ain't cussed since I was in high school, so. Uh, that's not what I was going to say. I'm just saying, you know, y'all mind all in the gutter and everything. As the grandma would say, holiness is still right. Your husband many times will be very open with you when he is having fun with you. Okay. Uh, some women feel that they're supposed to spend all their time with the kids because they won't be there forever. But to neglect your spouse for the children is to teach your children how to neglect their spouse. Everything you are doing for the children, you should be doing for the husband. You got to learn how to plan, plan dates, do things together. My wife and I love just getting up and going out walking, especially out here with the Silver Comet Trail. We just get up and, and go walking, and then, and then she got the nerve to be trying to challenge me, and she'll just take off running, and I'm trying to catch her, and we're just having fun. And those are some of the most best times, and it's, it's, it's interesting. That recreation time together, we just kind of naturally start talking about stuff. It's funny because you very rarely argue with your spouse in recreation time. You know, now every once in a while there's something that's going to come up. 
you know, and y'all both going, well, recreation time is over, let's go home. You know, but generally, when you're having fun, y'all don't argue at the movies. Okay? You ain't arguing at the movies. Okay, you going out there to the park or you hanging out and doing something really fun at the jazz festival, y'all having just a good old time. That's why you need to do that on a regular basis. Send them kids to the babysitter. Drop them off. They got special daycares now where you can pay them. They'll watch your kids for three or four hours. Gone. Put them, find somebody. Team up. I'll watch your kids this weekend if you watch mine the next. All right, go ahead. So the, uh, the fourth need for the woman is financial support. We're almost done, y'all. Financial support. He is the head of the family. He can't just say he's the head when it's convenient. He must take all the responsibility. He is the head. So if he wants his wife to be home and he wants her to keep the home and be a stay-at-home mom with the children, he must make enough money to provide for the family for her to be home. And if he doesn't and it's necessary for her to work, then he must split the household responsibilities. It all can't be on her. He is the one that's the head to take care of those things, to house the family, feed the family, clothe the family, and provide for them. This is financial security? Yeah, financial support. Okay, someone asked me a question earlier about, um, I hope I didn't erase this. I probably did. Man. Um, Someone asked me a question, and it was about financial, let me say this about financial security. And this can go both ways. Financial support, yeah, but it falls in the line of financial security. Because let me tell you, see, I, I learned this because I did so much counseling. What I have learned is these five emotional needs that a woman has, what I have learned is if a man has convinced his wife that he has her back, period, she'll live off pennies for the rest of her life as long as she knows that a man is going to treat her like a queen. Not every, not every woman is like that, but there are a lot of women that they will struggle financially if they know that this man is not going anywhere. This man is going to treat me like a queen. We may, we may not be able to go to Disneyland, but that man is going to take us to the park, and he's going to take out some popsicles, and he's going to do some stuff, and we're going to have some fun. A woman will deal with eating beans and rice if she knows that she has a good man. Ladies, if you semi-agree, just lift your hand a little bit. Okay? Bingo. Okay? So, so... I don't even know what happened. I'm going to just keep on going. Rebuke this. Okay. So financial support is very important for a woman, but the definition of it for a woman is different to a man. She wants to make sure that you're going to make it happen, but she don't want you to be in jail. Well, you need, you told me you need to be make it happen. Yeah, but I didn't say that you was going to start a marijuana farm in our backyard. Okay. So, so, so women will deal with that, but it's very, very important. Okay. Now, how you, how, with finances, okay, you must learn. James 4, 1 through 3. This is my last scripture for the day, and I'm done. I'll just tag on your old coattail for a minute. She had no problem just looking at me crazy while I'm up here right in front of everybody. James 4, 1 through 3. What is the source of your quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source of you is it not the source of your pleasures that wage war on your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it upon your pleasures. This is what produces financial discord, is that one of you can't stop spending. 
You want to spend money on stuff that really don't make a difference. You ain't got to have another pair of shoes right now. Okay, you don't have to have another have a brand new car right now. You don't have to have another another house right now. You don't have to have anything right now. Learn to save money, y'all. Save money. You got to learn. And the millionaire next door, that book, they interviewed all of these millionaires. And they found out that the millionaires were not the guys you see on TV. Those are the ones that broke. Now, I'm not saying that you this, this way because you got the big hustle Mercedes Benz. They said those are the ones that live paycheck to paycheck. They found the millionaires was the one that you're making fun of down the street that has a pickup truck that's 20 years old. And while you're making fun of his pickup truck, he could buy the whole neighborhood a Lamborghini if he wanted to. He disappears because he goes on vacation and pays cash while you exercise in faith just to go down the street to the amusement park. Okay? So, so you got, and so one of you in this relationship is a bad spender. Okay? And a lot of times, now, there, now it's, with women, it's two different types. There's a woman that knows, like my wife, she handles the money. And if she want to save something, she want to do something, she know how to do all of that type of stuff. She, bam, okay, she wants to do investing, all of those things, bam. So I let her handle the money. So I never know what we have, ever, ever. If I have $2 in my wallet, I'm just thankful. I mean, because <laughs> I just had $2 in my wallet. She always has the money. I come home, just give the check, whatever you do, bam, because I trust her, okay? But now what happens is, is that she's out there, instead of handling our business, she's out there doing stuff with the money, gambling, Buying stuff that we don't need, giving stuff to people that I didn't say she had permission to give to. Well, you know, my Auntie Lucy called. She in jail again. And why did you think it was okay to take out $500 and bail her out? She go to jail every six months. See? And so, so one of you is not good with money. And, and if you are the man... You put your wife in a very, very bad state emotionally because every day she's wondering if you're getting ready to do something stupid and then y'all going to be out on the street. Every day. Okay? So for, for, for women, it is financial security, but it's are you going to keep me safe? See, women can, see what men, when a man, when a man loses it, he's thinking about money. When a, when a woman loses it, she's thinking about le- losing her family. Okay? Are you going to leave me with these kids by myself because you can't keep it together because you lost your job? You can't keep it together because things are tight, okay? You're mad because the finances are tight, and so now neither us or the kids want to be around you because you're so angry and so demonstrative when it comes to your emotions simply because we don't have enough, yet we still living, okay? We, we, We still got a place to live even if we're living with somebody else. We may not have a car, but at least we got people that's going to pick us up. You got to be grateful for everything. That's how you get more. Okay, but financial security is extremely big to women. One of you is a saver and one of you is a spender. And let me tell you, dude, the one that's a spender, you need to learn how to save. Save. Save money. You need to learn how to save. Somebody just texted me, so somebody got a revelation in it. What do you say? I want to go ahead and finish this. Okay. Let me make sure this is... Uh, this is too long, I think. Just a second, let me just read it. Yeah, you, uh, this is too many different questions. I can't answer that right now. Okay, so, so financial security is very, very important. Sometimes it's the woman. I counseled a man years ago, and he just his his wife just they just he t- she took them right in the ruin because of what she did with money. There are some people that just like a guy will have a pornography problem. There are some people that have a money problem. They just can't stop spending. 
And that means that there is something in you that is a void that needs to be healed. If you can't learn how to, if you can't learn how to stop spending money, it's because you got a personal problem. You got a personal problem. And the money is an expression of who you are. Go ahead. What do you want to add? Oh, nothing for that. Okay. So, so, so just keep that in mind. You know, is there's y'all? It's really, really simple. And I'll let her do her part. We believe in, this is our opinion, we believe in the husband and the wife, really. And if you want to have separate bank accounts, that's fine, as long as y'all are one in an agreement. But with, with her and I, we put everything in one account. And we just simply agree. This is where it's going to go. This is where it's going to go. And then we just do that. You know, and I'm so out of order now. My wife will tell you, I'm so out of now. So out of, I am so used to telling my wife what I do financially. Some of y'all are going to think this is the most comical thing that y'all have ever heard. But I am dead serious. There have been times that I called my wife and asked her, could I get something that costs $3? I am so used to telling my wife, hey, I'm getting ready to spend this money. You good with that? And, and, and I have called my wife over something that costs 2 or $3. She's like, what is your problem? You act like we got two pennies in the bank account. Would you please buy the thing that costs $3? Am I right? I mean, I, I, because I'm so used to letting her know I'm not out here doing stupid stuff that I forget that I ain't got to call my wife to buy a $2 pencil, but I will call her on the phone in front of a $2 pencil. Hey, Lamont, I was just letting you know. I was thinking about buying this $2 pencil, and I was just making sure you were okay with that. And she was like, you're playing, right? And then it hits me. I didn't need to call my wife with a $2 pencil, but I'm so used to being accountable to my wife to make sure that she's financially secure and I'm not here doing stupid stuff. Now I've done stupid stuff. Trust me, I've done stupid stuff. I lost a huge amount of money one time over in the stock market. I'm praying in tongues instead of reading books. She told me, <laughs> serious, I was in front of the computer screen. She walked right in the room and she said, don't do it. And, uh, and I didn't listen and I lost everything. So keep that in mind. All right, go ahead. The last emotional need for a woman that helps her feel secure is when her husband is committed to the family. So you may have a dream, you may have a job, but you can't be there 80, 80 hours a week. You have to have time for the kids, time for the wife, time for your household. You can't be there trying to make it happen, and you neglect everything else. Now, there's a time and a season where you may have to put forth more effort because you're trying to build something. But that has to be communicated and shared, and you all have to be in agreement about the decisions that are being made in order to make that happen. When the husband is involved with giving the kids a bath, take them to the movies, take them to the mall, to the park, giving the wife a break, or just being involved, it makes her feel happy. It makes her feel secure. It's a need that's met. When my husband, when I was having all these babies, and we had six, eight, and under, and they kept getting older, they were just days, I wanted to be alone. I didn't want to go away. I just wanted to be in my own house and have it peace and quiet. And when he would take the kids away for a couple of hours, that made me feel great because he understood that I needed that time there. So when the husband is involved, the dad is involved with the children, it makes her feel secure and it gives the children a great sense of security as well. So even if the woman, if the woman grew up, didn't grow up with their dad, they're definitely going to want the husband to be involved. If she's a woman that did have her dad, she's going to want him to be involved because she had great memories of time with her father, and she wants her children to feel the same thing. One of the biggest things was family commitment, especially with men, because that's such a strong need in women. It should be a strong need in a man also, and that is just simply listening to your wife. It's not possible for you as a single person to live successfully without living from listening to other people and getting counsel from other sources. It's not possible to do that as a single person. Now imagine what happens when you get married. 
Now imagine when you got married in that particular case, you got six kids who all think differently and alike at the same time. So you're going to get off track. So there, and then now, you, especially with me, you add to my dilemma that, uh, I shouldn't say dilemma, but I'm married, six children, um, up until this point, three were homeschooled, three private school, one played basketball, one was a basketball manager, and then I'm pastoring this location and pastoring another location. And so it's very easy for me to get up. I manage it pretty, pretty good, but it's very easy for me to miss stuff. So in order for me to not miss stuff, I got to listen to her when she says, uh, we need to spend some time with the kids. Or you need to go here and talk to such, 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 such. Um, this is what happened today, and, and we need to have a meeting. Or I have to listen to her. That's the only way that helps me stay on track. So it's okay for me to miss stuff. What will make her insecure is when she keeps telling me what I need to do and I just won't do it. Well, I need to make this paper. Wonderful. Because by the time you make it, all your kids will be going to mad at you. You have to listen to your spouse when it comes to the kids. A lot, and, and more and more, you'll find that sometimes... It is the woman who is a weaker parent sometimes, and she has to listen to the husband. Okay, and so you have to listen. You have to discuss certain things. When it comes to the kids, when it comes to the kids, you should not argue in front of the kids. You should argue in private. Okay, you shouldn't do it in front of the kids. Kids shouldn't hear you, and the kids definitely. Kids are always listening. We had I had a situation one time where a person. This kid was at another member's house, and the kid heard the member saying, I don't care nothing about that kid. I'm just getting this little money or something. And the kid heard that. He didn't want to go back over there again. See, kids are always listening. And the problem is you don't think they are because you're so unconscious because kids know how to listen while playing an iPad and watching TV and giggling. Okay. They know how to, and they're very, very slick. Anytime, most of the time we close the door, it's just because we close the door. But I, I got one kid, she's very slick. You close the door, when I, when I open it, mysteriously, she just happens to be standing close to the door working on something. I'm <laughs> here. Okay? But, but that's very, very important. That is a strong need in a woman is for the husband to be a family man. You need to take your family out. Y'all, Especially in Atlanta. It's like this in any state. But in Atlanta, they got all different type of things you can do that are free. That will mean a world of things to your kids. We take our kids to the Silver Comet Trail. They love going on that trail and just walking down the trail. They love that. We'll do that as much as possible because it's free. I have a son. His, his uh, birthday is when? Tuesday. His son's birthday is Tuesday. See, stop this, y'all. She said, Jeremiah, what do you want for your birthday? He said, a scooter. So guess what we're getting him for his birthday? A scooter. Guess what I'm not getting ready to do? Is have this great big old birthday party and get this great big old blow-up thing and invite all y'all to bring your kids, tear up my grass, <laughs> order this expensive birthday cakes, and, 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 and order Joe as a DJ back there playing house music during the birthday party. Jeremiah don't even recognize. He said, what's Dindada? There's nothing. That's what Joe played. And I'm not about to do all that. That's a waste of money. All the boy asked for was a what? So guess what we're getting him? Okay? See? So, so you got to learn how the small things mean a lot to the kids, and the small things that you do for the kids mean a whole lot to the wife. Because the wife, the wife gets great joy in seeing the kids happy because of what daddy did. 
And sometimes you may that may need to be brought to your attention that we need to do something with the kids. You need to do this. You need to do that. You need to go out there and, and throw the ball. You need to go out there and tell you, boom, 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 all those things. Okay, uh, my wife was the one who told me, you need to make your son cut the grass. The only reason I haven't had him do it yet is because the grass is such a way where he would tear up the whole grass because I've torn it up. So we've got to figure out how to get this done. You know, but he's helping me now. But, but men, the best way that you can be a great dad is personal development. Be the best man that you can be. That'll produce security in your wife. And listen to your wife when she says, this is what the kids need. Y'all, the adjustment that you need to make sometimes in a day, sometimes is only two or five minutes. That's all. You some, Sometimes we get caught up and so busy. I'm just working, I'm just working, it's working. There's something wrong, you all, if you can't just take 20 minutes and go out there and shoot a ball with your son. 20 minutes to listen to your girls tell you a little story. Okay? I don't know why my wife is laughing, but I'm going to keep it moving anyway. It, it only takes a minute, but sometimes we feel like if we take 10 minutes to stop and do something, we have lost the entire day. And you got to listen to your spouse. And even when they tell you, even when she tells me sometimes, I do not want to break away. Is it personal? No, I'm overly consumed in work and I just have to cut away and do what she says. And every single time we have a wonderful time every time. OK, so did we cover all of them? Okay, so, so once again, these are all of the emotional needs. For a man, he has sexual fulfillment, an attractive spouse. He needs admiration, respect, and honor. He needs domestic support, okay, taking care of the household, or he needs to share in those responsibilities, and a recreational companionship. Woo! Can't believe we got through all of this. Women, they need honesty and openness. Nothing makes a woman feel valued when her husband will tell her everything. See, he takes great pride in that. It makes women are all about security. When a man is honest and he's open, security. She needs affection. She needs to be able to conversate with her husband about a great many things. Men, learn to talk about something besides sports. Okay? I personally usually can't stand politics. Here lately in the last couple of years, I've been very, very interested in it. I jump in and out because it gets on my nerves when I get overly consumed. I just, it's like vomit. I just can't even, I can't even deal with this mess because these people don't none of them know what they're talking about. Well, I'll get into politics and we'll have discussions about politics. Okay? Learn to talk about something. Learn to pick up something. Hey, did you know such, 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 such? Did you know that there are more universes than the sand in the. Figure out something to talk about. Okay, please. Conversation, domestic support. I'm sorry. Uh, financial support. And then the last one that we just talked about was uh, being a good family man. That's extremely important. It is unfortunate. This used to be a male issue. Now, more and more, we're running the issue where the dad is the one that is the family man and the mom is just doing her own thing. Um, it's flipping now, and it's flipping at a very alarming rate where uh, women are just taking up on this nature where they just, you know, you never know how much you're hurting people, y'all, until it's too late. You get on your deathbed, and then the kids won't come to your funeral. They won't even come visit you in the hospital. They won't come and visit you in the home, and you can't figure it out. You blame it on the devil. No, it was you that sowed that seed of bitterness in them, and now they can't let it go. And that's the worst thing in the world. So go ahead and stand. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Blessed be session to be tomorrow morning at a Sunday location where I'll just spend the entire hour and a half, if that, doing just question and answer pretty much from the audience. Um, 
So, but the main thing out of everything that we've shared, you're gonna have to listen to this over and over again. But you gotta really judge yourself. Stop nitpicking. We, you know, we, we are sometimes just so concerned about what my spouse is doing, what my spouse is doing, what my spouse is doing. Never realizing if you would be concerned about yourself that way, you'd be a much, much better person. Much, much better person. I've learned probably one of the, one of the things that the Lord told me that that is still amazing to me. He said, whatever you think your wife is doing, uh, you're doing the same thing to me. And if you stop doing what you're doing to me, you'll never have to say anything to your wife. That has been very, fairly true. Not that she was some evil woman or something. It's just that, it's just that sometimes people are not responding to you because you don't have the ability to explain it correctly. Sometimes you are carrying yourself in such a way that when you ask your spouse to change, they can't see why because of how you carry yourself. No matter what, watch this, no matter what you don't give or regardless to what you refuse to give to your spouse, it will still not change the fact that you still need them to do everything for you. And sometimes you need your spouse to do everything for you and it never hits you that you're hardly doing anything for them. And and it's really, really, uh, it's hard to get across this concept until you get over into what we call the servant mentality, where you don't spend your life thinking about yourself. What did Jesus say? He said, I only came to do exactly what my father told me to do. He said, I only say and do what he tells me to do. Jesus was a very selfless person. This is the reason why a 30-year-old man who was single with no kids had great revelation about everybody's business. Because he was never consumed with who he was. He was only consumed with how to be a blessing to you. And you don't even get revelation correctly until you consume yourself with how to be a blessing to your spouse. Some of you are going to try this and it's going to work for a little while. But then, without, before you know it, you'll begin to fade away back into your ways. And you will have to allow your spouse to remind you, hey, we got to stay on top of this. You got to encourage one another to look good. You got to encourage one another to be good to each other. You got to encourage one another to have the right mentality. You got to encourage one another. The Bible says, serve one another, encourage one another, submit to one another. But if you're not trying to do that, you can send me questions all day long. You can pray all you want to on a thing change. You'll be at the next conference sending me all the same foolishness again. Stop looking at your spouse as the problem and see yourself as the problem. They might be the problem. But you won't see correctly until you recognize I need to make sure I'm right first. Do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. So go ahead and lift your hands. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be your name. Just begin to open up your mouth and give God thanks and praise. We bless you and we honor you, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah.